Hi there, sports fans. This is Red Rush, along with Bob Elson, speaking to you from Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts, where today our Chicago White Sox take on the league-leading Boston Red Sox in the third game of a four-game series against these tough Boston Red Sox players. It'll be a battle of right-handers today. Big right-hander Jim Lonborg, who has won 18 and lost six, will be making his 32nd start of the year for the Boston Red Sox with an 18 and 6 record. It is his third start against Chicago. He is 2 and 0 to date, winning 5 to 4 on opening day against Johnny Bazard and 7 to 1 over Gary Peters last weekend in Chicago. Lifetime, he is 4 and 4 against the White Sox. For the White Sox, Joe Horland who has won 14 and lost 6 will be making his third start against Boston this year. He is 1 and 1 to date, winning 5 to 2 back on June the 8th and then losing 6-2 to two to Jerry Stevenson last Saturday. Lifetime, Joe is 7-6 and six against the Red Sox. This program is authorized under broadcasting rights granted by the Chicago White Sox solely for the entertainment of our listening audience and any rebroadcast or other use of this play-by-play description and the account of this game without the express written consent of the Chicago White Sox is prohibited. Well, it's a chilly afternoon here in Boston, and in the friendly confines of Fenway Park, and believe me, it's confining from the standpoint of the hitters because that left field wall looks like it's so easy to reach to, and a lot of them will be overswinging as they have in years past. We'll give you the starting lineup in a moment, but right now we'd like to salute radio station WCJU of Columbia, Mississippi. WCJU, one of the fine stations on the Chicago White Sox network line, WCJU. And now here's the starting lineup for Eddie Stanky's nine. Eddie is uh, down to the left at the present time with Dick Williams, and the action will be getting underway momentarily. Leading off and playing left field will be Walt Williams, and we'll have the opportunity and time to give you the batting average of each player as we give you the starting lineup. Walt Williams leading off playing left field with a 242 batting average. Batting second and playing second will be Don Buford with a 250 batting average. In center field will be Tommy Agee. Tommy currently batting 236. It will be Pistol Pete Ward, the cleanup batter, and playing third with a 245 batting average, 16 homers, and 52 runs batted in, which is tops on the club. Batting in the number five spot and playing right field will be Rocky Colavito. He is currently batting 237. Tommy McCraw will be batting in the number six spot and playing first base, batting 227. J.C. Martin will do the catching here this afternoon with a 258 batting average. At shortstop, Ron Hansen batting 221. And on the mound with a record of 14 wins and six losses will be Joe Horman. Lifetime, he is 7-6 and six against the Red Sox. And now the starting lineup for Dick Williams' nine will be Mike Andrews leading off and playing second base with a 251 batting average. It will be Jerry Adair batting second and playing third base. He is batting 267. The number three man in the batting order will be left fielder Carl Yastrzemski, 
batting 311 with 35 homers and 95 runs batted in. Boy, is he doing some kind of playing, as he always has. The cleanup batter for the Boston Red Sox, who lead the American League by a half game in front of Minnesota, two in front of Detroit, two and a half in front of our White Sox. It will be George Scott batting 302 with 17 homers, 68 runs batted in. The number five man in the batting order, the center fielder, Reggie Smith, batting 261. In right field, and a man that has taken the hearts of the Bostonians, Kenny Harrelson with a 271 batting average. And the Hawk had quite a night last night with a double, a triple, and a home run. So he had a field day. Hawk last night drove in four runs, two with a triple, one with his homer, and one with a double. He has 11 homers and 46 runs batted in. He will be in right field. The number seven man of the batting order, Rico Petroselli at shortstop, batting 267. Doing the catching, Elston Howard. And on the mound, Jim Lomborg with 18 victories and six losses. The umpiring crew has made their way out of the Red Sox dugout and out to home plate where Dick Williams and Eddie Stanky will exchange their lineup cards. And we want to welcome aboard all the people of the Armed Forces. And this broadcast is being heard on the Armed Forces Network. And welcome aboard, men and women of the Armed Forces of the United States. Wherever you're listening to our broadcast, this is Red Rush along with Bob Elson, hoping that you will enjoy our words-eye view of the ball game from Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts. The surprising, the scintillating, the darlings of the American League, that's what they're calling the Boston Red Sox. It's an amazing story, but as Frank Lane said on the pregame show here this afternoon, that finally they are a cohesive unit. Finally they have gelled. The young talent that has been brought along, and believe me, Tom Yaki deserves a lot of credit because he spent a lot of money here in Boston trying to bring the fans of this fair city a good ball club, and now they have a great ball club and a fine manager, Dick Williams, that has brought them along through their system, knowing the players and bringing them to the fruition of their labors. And believe me, this has been an outstanding job and the press here in Boston has had to turn around because they have been known by many as being rippers, and that's putting it mildly. And this year they have had, after the first part of the season, because they continued during the first part, to turn around and say, well, where are we going to go? Instead of negative reporting by any stretch of the imagination, they have gone on a more constructive basis and have started giving the credit to the Boston players and the skipper, Dick Williams. Eddie Stanky conversing with Ed Rungy, the third base umpire, as the Red Sox take the diamond. And now let's set the defense for you. For the Boston Red Sox at first base, George Scott at second, Mike Andrews. The shortstop, Rico Petroselli at third, Jerry Adair. In left field, Carl Yastrzemski, center field, Reggie Smith, right field, Kenny Harrelson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem.
in the catching, Elston Howard, is the big right-hander, Jim Lonborg, who stands 6'5 and weighs 200 pounds, is out on the mound. Lonborg, a freewheeling right-hander. A good-looking pitcher. As a matter of fact, many say the outstanding pitcher in the American League today. Lonborg, 6'5", 200-pounder, born in Santa Maria, California, 24 years ago, makes his home now in San Luis Obispo. It'll be Walter Williams, Don Buford, and fleet-footed Tommy Agee in that order to lead off for the Chicago White Sox. Kirby Farrell goes down to the first base coach's box, and Grover Riesinger makes his way out of the dugout to the third base coach's box. Bill Howler will call the balls and strikes. Jim Odom at first. Hank Thor, the umpire, at second. And Ed Rungi will make the decisions down at third. And now, ready for the action, as ready to step in is Walt Williams. And here with a play-by-play story for the Armed Forces Radio Network and also for the Chicago White Sox Network, the Commander Bob Elson. Thank you, Red. We have a, another perfect setting here for a great game and an important ball game. Lomborg has pitched 12 complete games. Hornan has pitched 8 complete games. The Sox want this game badly here today, and they need it. So here we go, and we're happy indeed that the broadcast that Red and I are going to call the plays here in Boston today will be heard by the men and women of our armed forces all the way around the world. So at Boston, it is a chilly day, it's a windy day, and the wind could have an effect here on certain types of balls. Here is a call strike, and with that pitch, there was a terrific blow around home plate that blew the dust and dirt all over the place. Walter Williams in the batter's box. Lonborg is set again. Strike call. Change up curveball. Lonborg has won 18 and lost six. Lifetime against the Sox, he's four and four. And a swing and a miss, and he threw the bat away. Some people say, the superstitious, and I am not superstitious, that that indicates that the pitcher is going to lose the ball game. This time, let's hope the superstitious people are right. So that is the first out. Strikeout. Well, these are two great teams. Tom Yawkey, the fine owner of the Boston Red Sox, was visiting in the press room with a lot of the announcers and writers. He has seen some lean days here in Boston, that is, as far as this ball club is concerned, and always uh, took it in stride. He pitches a very high fastball, and Buford fell away from the plate. He comes in batting 250. Lomborg has 195 strikeouts going in, and he picked up one here today. He has pitched 12 complete games. Hornan has pitched eight complete games. Ball one for Buford, a switch hitter batting left-handed, and a ball that's low and inside, and it is ball two. Smith in center field, Harrelson in right field, Yastrzemski in left field. Scott at first, Andrews at second, Petroselli at short, Adair at third. Here is a foul going back to the right and over the roof. The park is jammed except for a few rows up in the top of the bleacher in right field. Well, how about that giant Cincinnati game last night? 
Cincinnati pitcher walked in the winning run. Here is a strike. 20 inning ball game. And it's a ball two and a strike two count. And now the umpire wants to look at the ball. He's putting in a new one. Lomborg was our guest on the leadoff man show before the first game of this series. Our guest today was Frank Lane. We were happy to give him a wonderful Zenith Radio. And remember, with Zenith Radio, TV, and Hi-Fi, quality goes in before the name Zenith goes on. The pitch, swing, and a pop-up. Let's see if there's a play. Howard over and takes that ball near the Sox dugout. Every once in a while, there's just a light spray of rain, but it doesn't mean a thing because the sky is bright and blue and beautiful, and the rain is of no concern here this afternoon. As a former weatherman, you have my assurance of that. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> a cloudburst just came upon us. <laughs> Two out and nobody on as Tommy Agee steps in, batting 236. Tommy has been hitting very well. He's had six hits in the last three games. Time is called while Elston Howard was fixing one of his shin guards. Cubs are ahead of the Mets, one to nothing. Kansas City leading Baltimore six to three in their game. Here is a spike gets right in across the knee. This game today is being televised by NBC nationally. And again, the pitch to him, it's a ball. It's low and inside. Well, Tommy hit a long home run in the first game that tied the score. A long, high shot over the left field wall and screen. Here's a bunt foul along the third baseline. And it's a ball one and a strike two count. Sox will be home Wednesday night to play California. Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, a doubleheader with Detroit. Cleveland, the early part of next week. And a big weekend series with the Minnesota Twins, who are a half a game out of the American League lead. The Detroit Tigers are two out. The White Sox are two and a half out. you got to win this ball game here today. A.G. takes off the inside corner. Ball two, strike two. Ball two and a strike two count. He set again and the pitch. It's low a ball. Ball three. Lomborg is a very good, in fact, he's an exceptionally good control pitcher. A ball three and a strike two count. Here's the big one. Swing and a foul out of play. We have run into a very odd weekend weather-wise in Boston. For those of you listening in the different parts of the world, unusual to come into Boston at this time and find it cold and rainy and windy. But that's the kind of weather we have had here, and the American flag off here to my left is just about to go off the pole. Here is a ball he walked in. So Tommy Agee is the first base runner in the ball game. That is the sip. 65th base on balls given up by Lomborg this year. 
Harris Ward, he won the first game with a long home run. Ward the batter. And a peg over to first base. That was very close. The on-deck man is Rocky Calavito. Peg over, and he dives in, gets that right hand on the bag. Jim Lombard. The pitch. Ward takes low. Howard throws to first. He's back. Lombard, with 18 wins against six losses, has an earned run average on the road of about two, but here in Boston of a 5.46. That's quite a difference. A.G. has 25 stolen bases. He throws to first again. It is not close. The center fielder Smith and the right fielder Harrelson are deep. The pitch to Ward, a ground ball, a hit to right field. A.G. is around second, going to third. And Harrelson throws the ball to Andrews, who runs into the infield, carrying the ball. And now the Sox have runners on first and third. And here is an overdue Rocky Calavito. So in this first inning, we've had the first hit and we've had the first walk of this ball game. Now here is Rocky Conovito. Kansas City six and Baltimore three. They've gone to the bottom of the fourth inning. The Tigers are out in the first inning at Minnesota. Swing and a miss. One strike. Cubs won and the New York Mets nothing at the end of three. Well, the Dodgers hung on last night to beat Atlanta six to four. Come on, Rocky. The pitch. Swing and a miss. And it is strike two. Calavito taking a kind of swing, a half-hearted swing as though he wasn't sure whether it was a ball or a strike and was going to try to check it. Turned around again to complain to the umpire, so he is very much in the hole here now with two strikes on him. And the pitch. Ball, it's up high. And a ball one and a strike two count. Runners first and third, two out, first inning at Boston. Now a bright sun shining. Runners at first and at third. Lomborg is set again. Here is a pop fly into shallow center field. They're coming on. It's going to drop. Run scores. Here's the center fielder overran the ball, and Calavito goes all the way to second. There may be an error. One run in. Now they score it as a double. As the center fielder, Reggie Smith, coming on, overran the ball that was behind him. Let's get a station break in here now. We'll pause now. Ten seconds for station 
Identification. This is your station for the good Labor Day holiday weekend listening. WMAQ NBC in Chicago. Well, the White Sox on Conovito's pop fly to center field. Tommy Agee scored. Ward went to third. Conovito to second when Reggie Smith coming in overran the ball a foot or two. The pitch. Here is a drive, but it's going to curve and go foul down the left field line. Come on, just a base hit. We'd have a three-run lead here. You give Hornan a three-run three lead, and you're in pretty good shape. One run in this ballpark doesn't mean a thing. Runners at second and third. Now the pitcher takes a little bit of extra time and the batter steps out. Ward at third, Calavito at second. Here's the pitch and a ground hit to right. One run in. Here comes Calavito. No play at the plate. Sox lead three to nothing. Ward scored, Calavito scored. And the White Sox are leading 3-0 in the ballgame. That is the 32nd and 33rd RBI for Tommy McCraw, and here comes J.C. Martin. Here is Martin stepping in. And a line drive, but right at the first baseman, Scott. He hit that ball like it was out of a cannon, but right at Scott. That would have been a sure double down the right field line, but Scott was standing right in line in the track of the ball. Well, it was a good inning anyway. Now we've got a little bit here so that Horland has a little working margin. Three runs on one, two, three. Three hits, one walk, one left. Middle of the first inning at Fenway in Boston. The White Sox, three. Boston now coming to bed. Say, who says baseball's a man's game? You know, gals just love it. Who yells the loudest? Big Frank, the construction foreman? No, siree, his little five-foot wife. Every once in a while, a gal just has to cut loose, escape that daily grind, and get away from her housework or her job. You know, there's no better way to get away from it all than to head out to White Sox Park. That's the one place where a gal doesn't have to stand on formality. She can relax, take off her shoes, munch on a hot dog, just be herself. And it's easy to get to White Sox Park. You get on the Dan Ryan, stay in the local lanes, and you get off at the 35th Street exit. Nah, don't worry about parking space either. There's room for over 8,000 cars. If you don't want to drive, well, it's easy. Take the CTA, drops you off right at the gate. So come on out, gals, for the time of your life out to White Sox Park. We'll be home on Wednesday starting a big 10-day homestand. See you at Sox Park. Let me place the White Sox for you on the field. Walter Williams playing left field, A.G. in center field, and Calavito in right field. Ward at third, Hanson at short, Buford at second, McCraw at first, Martin the catcher, and Hall in the pitcher. At Minnesota, it's Minnesota nothing, Detroit nothing at the end of one. 
Now the leadoff batter will be second baseman Andrews. He will be followed by third baseman Adair, who will be followed by the left fielder Scott. We want to salute another one of the fine stations on our vast network of stations. WCJU in Columbia, Mississippi. They have a lot of listeners. They have a fine, well-balanced programming there. Lean a little bit to sports and great news coverage. WCJU in Columbia, Mississippi. Well, here is the leadoff man now, Andrews, and we have a three-run lead, and we can breathe easy here for a while. So Joel Hornan, good right-hander, has won 14 and lost six. Two and one this year against the Boston Club. And here is the first pitch. It's a spike. It's right in across the knees. A swing and a foul going off here to the right. Number two in the back of his white uniform, this is Andrews. The regular second baseman had a fine year for this ball club. Last year was with Toronto. And a liner foul down the left field line. Boy. That was a line drive, and now Ward is coming over from third to talk with Joe Harlan. We have a day game here tomorrow. At 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock Chicago time. 1 o'clock Chicago time, and the leadoff man show with Dominic DiMaggio, brother of the famed Joe DiMaggio. He'll be on at 1240. Here's a smash foul again down the third baseline. Dominic DiMaggio was a great ball player with the Boston Club for years, while his brother achieved even greater fame with the New York Yankees. And in my book, the players and games and that I have seen was the greatest individual ball player I think I ever saw. Oh, he was really something. Two strike count on Andrews. And a ball a little bit too low. They had a brother who played in the National League, Vince DiMaggio. So we will find out all about the famed DiMaggio's from Dominic DiMaggio on our lead-off man show tomorrow. Here's a ball that's low and a ball two and a strike two count. Sigui is pitching for Kansas City in the fifth. Kansas City leads six to three, but Baltimore evidently has something going again. Orleans ready, and a high pop-up, an easy out. Here's McCraw coming down the line in foul territory, and he has it for the out. One gone. That'll bring up the third baseman, Adair. The Sox lead 3 to nothing in a big, but big ball game at Boston.
Here is the pitch, and it's a strike. It's right in across the knee. The batter is a dare. He set again and the pitch. Swing and a chopper down to third. Ward fumbles, recovers, throws, pulls. He's safe. An error for Ward. That was a ball that all Pete had to do was pick it up. It was hit right at him. He fumbled it, picked it up, fumbled it again, and it was too late. So that is a boot. And it brings up the dangerous Carl Yastrzemski. On a baseball, outstanding ball player, perhaps the most valuable player in the American League. Is a fellow who could make any one of the 19 ball clubs in the major league. There's a ball way up over his head, ball one. The infield has shifted around a little bit to the right with Hanson playing a shade toward the bag at second. A.G. is very deep and Calavito is very deep and right. And Walter Williams is shoved over toward center field and a ball that's low. Come on, don't walk him. He's got to hit it, let him hit it, but walks lose more ball games than hit. Carl Yastrzemski. With a teammate on first base and a strike. He hit that outside corner across the knee. The Detroit Tigers are out in the second inning. In that game, it's McLean and Boswell. At the end of four innings, the Cubs maintain a one-run lead over the New York Mets. Here it's a ball, two and a strike, one count, and the pitch. Low and slow, it's ball, ball three. Well, I can remember some of the great powerhouse teams like the great Yankee teams when they had real power in that ball club. You just couldn't afford to walk anybody. And in this ballpark, not so much on the road, but when you play Boston here, you can't afford to walk anybody because they can tattoo that wall. The pitch, he walked him, two men on and one out. Here is a very dangerous George Scott. The kind of hitter I was referring to Big, husky, right-handed batter with a lot of pulling power to left field. And that big, light green wall out there presents quite an attractive target. It's enough to make everybody switch from batting left-handed to batting right-handed. So the Sox are in a little bit of trouble here now. An error and a walk. And Scott foul tipped the ball as he backed away. The ball hit the bat handle. One strike. We could surely use a double play right here. The outfield is straight away. Harden is set again. The pitch to Scott, a swing on a change-up curve and a miss, strike two. 
got started to swing when that ball left the pitcher's hand and it just floated up there and it is a two strike count now on George Scott. Runners at first and second and a high fastball in tight and it's a ball one and a strike two count. Well, we're happy to have our regular engineer here in Boston, Dan McCabe, back with us today at the controls. Runners at first and second. A one and two count on Scott. The pitch swing and a ground ball to Hanson. Looks like a double play. Steps on the back, fires, and we have that double play, and we're out of the jam. So that is the first double play of the game for the Sox and number 115 and their third double play of the series. Hanson unassisted to McCraw. No run, no hits, a walk, one error, and one man left. And so at the end of one at Fenway, the White Sox three, Boston nothing. You know, these days, it seems that all teenagers want is a soft drink and a candy bar. But it's encouraging to learn that according to a recent survey, 31% of the boys and 28% of the gals in the 13 to 19 age bracket wish the chicken were served more often. It's good news because chicken packs nutrition punch. White meat of chicken is higher in protein and lower in calories than other leading meats. And according to the National Broiler Council, chicken contains all the essential amino acids. Here's a summer chicken idea that's sure to make a hit with the teenagers. Have a chicknick. A supply of cold fried chicken in that picnic hamper makes a feast of the outdoor meal. Yes, chicken. It's delicious and it's delectable. And it's so nourishing, too. This message from the National Broiler Council was sponsored by Van Tress Farms, a subsidiary of Artnell. That's Van Tress Farms. Our game at Boston is moving into the second inning. The White Sox three and Boston nothing and Hanson the batter. Here's a flash, Detroit nothing, Minnesota nothing at the end of two at Bloomington. He's set again and the pitch. It's a ball up very high and very close, and it is ball two for Hanson. Hanson comes in at 221. The Sox scored their three runs in the first inning after two were out and nobody on. The pitch, a ball in the dirt, ball three. Frank Lane on the leadoff man show made quite an interesting guest today. Frank is never reticent about talking. Here is a ball he walked the leadoff man. Come on, let's get some more. That's going to bring up Harlan. Here is Harlan stepping into the batter's box with a teammate on first base, nobody out in the second. The 
Tomorrow's pitchers will be Tommy John and Lee Stang. Harlan Bunch down the first baseline, and he touched the first baseman, touched the ball, but he's out at first anyway. The ball, the ball jumped right by Scott, who touched the ball, deflected it into foul territory, but the second baseman was coming over, picked the ball up and jumped back onto the bag, and Harlan was out on an eyelash play. It's a sacrifice, and the, that odd play goes three to four. The first baseman touched it in fair territory. Then it went foul off his glove, but it was already established as a fair ball. So here is Walter Williams now with a teammate at second base and one out. Walter bunts down the third baseline. He's got a good chance. He is at first base by a country mile. Little Walter dumped one, and he was at first base. <laughs> well, the third baseman didn't even bother throwing the ball. So now we have Don Buford. Don has been meeting that ball well. He was down around 212. He's now pushing up toward 260. Runners at first and third. And a strike, he hit the outside corner across the knee. White Sox have three runs on four hits. Boston, no runs and no hits. Jim Lombard, big right-hander. A ball that's low and away. So Hansen went to third. And Walter Williams dumped a perfect punt and didn't even draw a throw. So now the White Sox have a chance to sweeten their lead. Peg over to first base, Walter's back. Time is called now. The umpire wants to see the ball again. So the plate umpire, Salerno, takes a look at that ball. Here comes the pitch now to Buford, and it's way outside another ball. Two and one. Ball two and a strike one count. Chicago, the Cubs won. The Mets, nothing at the end of four. Detroit, nothing. Minnesota, nothing at the end of two. The pitch to Buford. Foul here on the wire right below us. Two and two. The Tigers, Detroit Tigers are out in the third inning. Minnesota batting. That's McLean and Boswell, two right-handers. A ball two and a strike two count for Buford. Here is a swing and a miss. A big curveball coming in on him, and he struck him out. That is number two. It'll bring up Tommy Agee, who walked the first time. Here is Agee in the batter's box.
wind again whips the dirt all around. White Sox runners at first and third with two out in the second inning. And the Sox lead Boston three to nothing. Pitch to A.G. Gets away from the catcher and Williams goes to second base. It's a wild pitch. So Tommy now could pick up two RBIs if he could get a hit. Runners at second and third. Tommy Agee in the batter's box. Jim Lomborg going for number 19. And the pitch to Tommy Agee is a ball, sending the catcher, Elston Howard, to his knees to block that ball to keep it from getting away. Hanson at third, Williams at second. Two are out. Cleveland and California will play a night game. California beat Cleveland last night. Here's the pitch to Tommy. And the ball hit the bat. And it's a foul tip strike. And a ball two and a strike one count. Here is Eddie Stanky coming out now. Eddie Stanky is coming out to talk with Tommy Agee. Tommy said that the ball hit him in the arm, the elbow. The umpire says it hit the bat. And that's what the discussion is about. In night baseball, it'll be Philadelphia at Pittsburgh, Houston at St. Louis, where the Cardinals got a great game last night from Bryles. Baltimore just scored two in the fifth. Kansas City leads six to five. Eddie Fisher has gone in to pitch for Baltimore in the fifth inning. Here we are still in the second inning with runners at second and at third. Swing and a foul tip. And a ball two and a strike two count. And the umpire wants to look at the ball and puts in a new one. Well, in the Washington Yankee game last night, an extra innings, young Hegan, whose father was a great catcher for Cleveland, hit his first major league home run and had won the game. Two to one. The pitch to Tommy almost hit him. Ball three. A ball three and a strike two count. He said again, 
And a swing and a miss. Struck him out on a high fastball. So in the inning, no runs, one hit, a walk, and two men are left. And now in the middle of the second inning at Fenway Park in Boston, the White Sox, three runs, four hits. Boston, no runs, no hits. Our ball game at Boston is moving now into the bottom of the second inning, and the leadoff batter for Boston will be their center fielder, Reggie Smith. Here is the pitch, and he hits a high fly ball to left center. It's going to be caught. Williams is coming on. They collide, but he held on to the ball. Williams and A.G. collided, and A.G. is calling time now. He may have been spiked, and his cap blew off, and he has taken time out, and he's the train. So we are going to have time out here now as Williams held on to the ball but may have spiked Tommy Agee and we're going to have to wait and see. Spike on the foot as he took off his shoe. You could see the blood on the uh, on the sock and Tommy Agee is down there as Charlie Sad goes out to take a look at him. Eddie Stanky went out. The rest of the players also out there. Rocky Colavito, Walt Williams. As Walter cut right across and took it in front of Tommy Agee and stepped on Tommy's foot as Tommy tried to pull up in time to let Walt have the ball. For those of you who don't have all of last night's scores, well, well we had them here, but we don't. I know a lot of people listening in a lot of areas, they don't get the final night games. Well, the... Only one really that you probably didn't get was the uh, California game, and California won that ball game from Cleveland. At Kansas City, Ramon Webster just hit a home run with a man on, and that is his eighth of the year. So they're going ahead of Baltimore now around the score of around eight to five. Last night, Minnesota beat Detroit five to four. The Yankees defeated Washington. The Dodgers beat Atlanta. The Giants defeated Cincinnati in 20 innings when the winning run was walked in. And Pittsburgh shut out the Phillies. Yesterday, the Cubs and the Mets split a doubleheader. And last night, St. Louis behind Bryles shut out the Houston Astros. And this young Bryles, the left-hander, has really come on for that St. Louis ball club. Time is still out. The trainer is still working out there on Tommy Agee's foot. Taking a new sock out there and put a bandage on his foot. Now they'll give him a chance to trot around a little bit and see how his leg feels. Let me recap the first inning for any of you friends who are tuning in late. Walter Williams struck out. Buford fouled to the catcher. Agee walked. Ward singled to right, sending Agee to third. Calavito dumped a double in center field, scoring A.G. McCraw singled sharply to right field, scoring Ward and Calavito. And that's how they got their three runs. Had a nice chat a little while ago with a good friend of mine down in Miami. Well-known sports figure down there, writer, columnist, well-known fight trainer, Lou Gross. You probably enjoy his column, as I do many, many times, in the fine newspaper, The Miami Star. Lou's a great, great baseball fan and really rooting for the White Sox. 
Well, they're coming off the field, and A.G. is still out there, and that indicates that he is going to stay in the game. He's still, now he's getting up, and he seems to be okay. The batter will be Harrelson, the right fielder. One out and nobody on in the bottom of the second. White Sox, three, four, and one. Boston, nothing, nothing, nothing. No runs, no hits, no errors. Here is a well-tagged long drive. Deep left center field. It comes down and it is caught. That win held that ball up. I thought, sure, that ball was going to go on the wall. And Walter Williams and A.G. collided again back on the warning track. But this time, Tommy A.G. held on to the ball. So they better get a traffic cop out there or Walter's going to stop all over them, right? <laughs> I tell you, when you run into that little fire plug, you know you run into something. And when Tommy caught the ball, he looked at Walter, Walter looked at him, and Tommy just shook his head in disbelief. Tommy looking over to Colavito saying, it's your turn now. <laughs> Here is Rico Petroselli. The shortstop, two out and nobody on. And the pitch to Rico. Gets away from the catcher, and it is ball one. At the end of five innings, Kansas City eight and Baltimore five. Here in the bottom of the second inning, it's the White Sox three and Boston nothing. High infield fly. The second baseman, Buford, calling for the ball, and he has it to retire the side. Three up and three down. No runs, no hits, no errors. At the end of two at Boston, Bob Elson with Red Rush. The White Sox, three runs, four hits. Boston, no runs, no hits. You know, it's great to have this long Labor Day weekend here. For many of you, it's a chance to get out of the country, and for others, well, it's a chance to have the gang over for a backyard party. Well, whatever the fun, be sure to include some old style. Old style brightens up any occasion. It's a brew that, well, just seems to go with right, right people every time. That's because old style is real beer. A beer that's so light and likable. One that's easy to stay with glass after glass. So have all you like. You won't fill up on old style. While other beers are brewed once, G. Heidelman brews old style twice. They pure brew it. And that second brewing takes months. Sure, it'd be cheaper and easier to brew and bottle the beer in a few days, but then it wouldn't be genuine old style. It takes all that extra time to put the bubbles in naturally to give it real beer character. So try twice-brewed old style by the G. Heidelman Brewing Company, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Our game at Boston is moving into the third inning, the White Sox three and Boston nothing, and the leadoff batter will be Pete Ward, who had a sharp face hit to right the first time up. Here is Ward. At the end of five at Chicago, the Cubs won, the New York Mets nothing. Detroit and Minnesota, nothing, nothing. Well, we want the Sox to win here today, and I think like to see Detroit beat Minnesota. Really bunch this thing up tight. Here is a ball high. 
Remember the box office, Tommy Maloney and his crew will be on hand tomorrow, Sunday, and Monday from 10 to 4 at White Sox Park. For the convenience of all of you fans, California Wednesday night, swing as he tried to uppercut a low inside pitch. And it's a ball one and a strike one count. The Tigers will be at White Sox Park Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, a big double bill. Ball is up high and away, two and one. Nobody on, nobody out in the third. Strong wind blowing toward right field. Von Borg is set again. And a low fastball in the dirt. Ball three, strike one. Nobody on, nobody out. This broadcast is being heard on the Armed Forces Radio around the world, we're happy to say. Nice to be talking with the men and women of our Armed Forces. We'll pause now for station identification. We'll pause 10 seconds now for station identification. Hear that tempting sizzle, smell that appetizing aroma, and boy, do they taste good. They're Leon's Wieners. WMAQ, NBC in Chicago. The Detroit Tigers are out in the fourth inning. No score, Minnesota batting. Ward steps out. Here today in the third game of the series, it's Lomborg, an 18-game winner against Torlin, a 14-game winner. And a hard-hit ground ball, but Scott grabs the ball, runs to the bag, out on an unassisted play. That'll bring up Rocky Conavito, who dropped a pop-fly two-bagger in center field the last time up and drove in a run. Rocky Calavito in the batter's box. Here is the pitch to him, and it's a low inside fastball for ball one. The Tigers next weekend at White Sox Park, and the following weekend, the Minnesota Twins, Killebrew, Oliva, and all the rest. Swing and a miss. Tried to check it one and one. So it's a ball one and a strike one count. Calavito takes low, a ball, ball two and strike one. A ball two and a strike one count. Jim Lomborg. Gets his sign, and now the wind blows the dust around again, and Calavito takes his left sleeve, pulls it up, and kind of wipes his face. It's a coolish, windy day. Here comes the pitch, and it's a ball. It's low. Rocky Calavito. 
Three and one on Rocky. Here is a line drive hit into left field for Calavito. Hit that ball like a bullet. So we have a man on with one out. That for the White Sox is hit number five. Boston doesn't have any or has none. And it's going to bring up Tommy McCraw, who had a hit the first time and two RBIs. Rocky Calavito on first base and Tommy McCraw, the batter. Tommy pulls one into the Boston dugout. And the boys scurry for cover down there. Remember, tomorrow's game is a 2 o'clock game, 1 o'clock Chicago time. The leadoff man show at 12.40 with Dominic DiMaggio. Pitch to Tommy McCraw is way low and outside a ball. It is one and one. A ball one and a strike one count. Calavito's going down in a hit and run play. A bouncing ball to Andrews. The batter is going to be out. He is Andrews to Scott. Calavito's on second. So it is up now to J.C. Martin to try to knock that run in. The last time he really drilled one toward right field. It was a line drive knee high right at Scott. Hit like a cannon shot. Calavito at second base and J.C. Martin the batter. Here is a high outside pitch for ball one. Tomorrow we'll see Tommy John against Lee Stang, a left-hander against a right-hander. Calavito at second base. Two out. The pitch to Martin is outside again, a ball. Ball two. On deck is Ronnie Hemp. They're going to walk him purposely now. Intentional pass. That is the third walk of the ball game, given up by Lonborg, and it's going to bring up Hanson, who walked the first time up. Two men on and two out in the third at Boston. The runners on first and second, and Ronnie Hanson the better. Here is a high foul. The Cubs lead the Mets one to nothing in the middle of the sixth. Detroit and Minnesota, no score at the end of four. Now it's a one-strike count on Hanson. 
Here is the pitch, and it's high and outside a ball. White Sox scored three runs in the first inning, and they're leading by that margin in the third inning. Three to nothing, Harlan and Lombard. He set again. Strike, he hit that outside corner across the knee. One and two. One and two. Very strong wind blowing toward right field. And a ground ball down to third. Adair firing to second to Andrews. And they force Martin sliding in to try to beat that rap, but he couldn't. And it retires the side. Force out, five to four. So no runs, one hit, a walk, and two men are left again. And the White Sox have stranded five runners in the first three innings, as well as having three score. Middle of the third, the White Sox, three, Boston, nothing. down a thirst without filling you up. Heilemann's Old Style. The one beer that's brewed twice. Not just once like other beers. Pure brewed. A second brewing that makes Old Style easy to stay with, glass after glass. Pure brewed by G. Heilemann of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Old Style. The light and likable brew. Boston is moving into the bottom of the third inning. The score is the White Sox three and Boston nothing. The leadoff batter is Elston Howard. Well, the NBC crew has been set up here since yesterday, getting all set. We also have a big staff here today. Red and I, we have Dan McCabe as the engineer and Bill Rayner in charge of scores, Frank DeRosa in charge of production. We have quite a crew as well. And the pitch is a strike that hit that outside corner right across the knee. Here's a pitch that goes into the dirt and bounces way up on the screen. Kansas City 8, Baltimore 5 at the end of 6. Make it going to the bottom of the 7th. Here is the pitch to Howard and a swing at a foul tip strike. And it's a ball one and a strike two count on the batter. Nobody on, nobody out, bottom of the third. White Sox three and Boston nothing. Monday we have a doubleheader at Yankee Stadium and Tuesday a day game and then fly home. 
and Wednesday night play California at Stocks Park. Thursday is an open day. Friday night, Detroit. Saturday, Detroit. Sunday, a doubleheader with the Detroit Tigers. Now, don't wait to get your tickets because you can get them today, tomorrow, Sunday at the box office, Monday at the box office, and a pitch in very close to Howard. It is now a ball two and a strike two count. Ball two and strike two. Howard trying to get something started here in the bottom of the third inning for Boston. They trail by 3-1 runs as Harlan now shakes off a sign. Now he has the one he wants, and here it is. Strike three, right across the knees, out on strike. So that is strikeout number one today for Harlan. And he caught Howard looking at a fastball right across the knee. That's going to bring up Lomborg. That's number 75 for Holland. He had 74 going in. So here is Lomborg. Big slim lad, number 16. And the pitch. A bunt. It's in front of the plate. He's going to be thrown out. Martin to McCraw. Took a nice, convenient big hop, and he grabbed the ball and fired it. He's out at first, and there are two gone. Now we go to the top of the batting order, and Andrews, the second baseman. White Sox three, Boston nothing, two out in the bottom of the third. Andrews stepping into the batter's box. Two out and nobody on. Very important ball game to both teams, as is the game between Detroit and Minnesota. Swing and a miss. There is no score at Bloomington. Minnesota batting in the bottom of the fifth inning. And it's McLean, a right-hander, against Boswell, a right-hander. Andrews popped out to McCraw the first time up. Now the pitch to him. That's a little bit too tight above the knee. And it's a ball one and a strike one count. Harlan steps back of the rubber, gets the rosin bag. He's ready again. The pitch to Andrews, a cut and a foul. It's back to the screen. And a ball one and a strike two count for Andrews. The Boston Red Sox are still looking for their first hit in this ball game. The White Sox have made five. And the White Sox lead three to nothing with a big three spot in the first. Wind whips the dust, dirt around again. Here comes the pitch to Andrews, and it's a little bit too low. A ball two and a strike two count. Well, manager Stanky, in spite of the left field wall, swung to a couple of left-handers here today, Martin and McCraw, and so far it has paid off. McCraw drove in two runs in the first inning. 
The pitch to Andrews. A line drive. A hit in front of Walter Williams. First hit for Buck. So there was a line drive and a hit into left field. Puts a man on first base and it brings up Adair. You football fans at the half, it's the New York Giants 13 and the Eagles 3. Now the pitch. Swing and a hit. Center field. Andrews going to hold at second base. And we've had hits here back to back by Boston. Their first hits of the game. Going to bring up the dangerous Carl Yastrzemski. At the end of five at Minnesota, the Minnesota Twins won. Detroit, nothing. So we're going to have a conference now at the mound. The catcher, the first baseman. The batter is Carl Yastrzemski. Walking up into the batter's box right here now in his white uniform. Andrews at second, Adair at first, two out, bottom of the third. The outfield playing in deep and around to the right. Now the pitch, swing and a bouncing ball to McCraw, near the bag, up with it, on the bag, outside retired and two men are left. So in the inning, there were no runs, there were two hits, and there were two men left on the beat. At the end of three at Boston, the White Sox three and Boston nothing. You know, almost invariably, the guys who know their baseball also know their beer, and boy, do they drink a lot of beer. So naturally, they select the beer they can stay with, and that's old style. They pop open that first can or bottle just before the game gets underway and begin the task of rooting home their favorite team. You know, sometimes being a loyal fan isn't easy when the manager pulls your favorite pitcher or when the best hitter on the club doesn't come through in the clutch. Well, at least old style comes through. There's no other beer that satisfies quite like old style. You can drink all you like and never fill up. And every gulp is real beer. Brew the special way to make it light and likable and to satisfy the way beer should. No matter how the game goes, you can bank on old style glass after glass after glass. Yes, enjoy a real beer. Twice brewed, pure brewed old style from the G. Heilman Brewers, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Our ball game at Boston is moving into the top of the fourth inning. Bob Ilson with Red Rush. The White Sox three and Boston nothing. Tomorrow, the final game of the series, and then to New York for a doubleheader on Monday and a single game on Tuesday, and then back home to White Sox Park for a night game on Wednesday. Well, we hope that our good friend Bernard Whelan of the Chicago Police Department just about recovered at Michael Reese Hospital. See him back at the out at one of the games and we get back. Here is Harlan stepping into the batter's box. Fourth inning. 
Getting underway, the White Sox three, Boston nothing. The pitch. Strike at the knee. Again, the wind-up and the pitch. A little bouncer, but it was off his leg, and it is strike two. Well, the place is mobbed again today. Boy, we've got a sunny day, a windy day, a beautiful crowd, and some ball game. He's set. Here is a ball. It's very high. And it's a ball one and a strike two count. Right-hander Jim Lomborg, 18 and 6, against right-hander Joel Holland. Wind up again the pitch. Here's a high chop off his, over his head, off in the air. Strike a fastball right down the middle. Tommy Maloney, Ernie Carroll. Always listening back at the ballpark. Don Karinczyk. Here's a pop fly, a hit to right in front of the right fielder. So little Walter has himself a pair of hits here. And that for the White Sox is hit number six. Boston has made two. That's going to bring up Buford, who is 0 for 2. Don Buford stepping into the batter's box. And a ball that's low. Lomborg. Looks at Adair, who's playing shallow in on the grass. Walter Williams at first base. Peg over. Walter's back. And Don Buford looking for his first hit. He caught the outside corner above the knee with a beauty. One and one. We'll get a station break in here momentarily. Lomborg is set. Peg over. Let's do it now. We'll pause ten seconds now for station identification. WMAQ, NBC in Chicago. Here's a low fastball to Buford. Now we have a ball two and a strike two count. The Detroit Tigers are out in the sixth inning. Minnesota leads one to nothing. Boswell over McLean. So the Tigers, with all of their power and good hitting, last night they were hurt on a couple of big errors by Eddie Matthews at third base. The pitch to Buford, a ground foul along the first baseline. 
And a ball two and a strike two count. Tomorrow, in the final game of the series, at 2 o'clock Eastern time, at 1 o'clock Chicago time, it'll be Lee Spang, a right-hander against Tommy John, a left-hander. A ball two and a strike two count. Here is the pitch runner going, and it's a high pop fly, shallow right. Williams is going back, or the wind blowing the ball, and he made a great catch, throws to first, and Williams just got back. What a catch he made of that ball. He had the second baseman, Andrews, running around in circles. He finally made a dive for the ball and got it, and Walter Williams just missed getting doubled off first base. Well, Red, I thought we were going to get a break there, that that ball might drop. Well, it looked like it was going to. That win certainly was a factor. Harrelson had no chance at all, and he was running fast to get to it, and Mike Andrews, the last second, got it. You know, little Walter didn't know what to do that time. He didn't know whether how far down to get. He was afraid, too, the ball was going to be caught. Here is A.G., a swing and a miss, and it is one strike. And the danger there was, if he didn't get down far enough and the ball did drop, he could still be forced with a throw to second base. But he just did get back to first. Tommy A.G., the batter. And a high inside fastball that's one and one. Walter Williams on first base. White Sox lead three to nothing. And a peg over to first. Walter's back. Well, we told you that that strong, tricky wind today could have an effect on some of these balls. Walter's going. High chopper over the pitcher's head. Second baseman. There's Walter going to third. He's caught. He's out. It'll be a hit for A.G., and Williams was out going to third. It is a hit. So there was a very, very high chop over the pitcher's head, and the second baseman grabbed the ball, there was no play at first base. Suddenly he saw Williams going to third base, and he threw him out. That play going Andrews to Adair. So in the inning, top of the fourth, no runs, two hits, and one man left on the bases. The Sox have stranded six. Middle of the fourth inning, the White Sox three, Boston nothing. An exclusive club is just open for membership. The kind of club that guarantees prestige and an important place in the community. There are no fees, no dues, but the entrance requirements are really stiff. It's an elite club, all right. Membership is allowed by achievement alone. It's the four-mile club created to honor exceptional achievement. The achievement of those who have played a key role in drilling, completing, or servicing a well four miles beneath the surface of the earth. As of January, there were only 63 wells drilled four miles or deeper throughout the world. Few companies have the confidence to attempt a job four miles down. 
fewer still have the know-how to succeed. And Eastman Oil Well Survey Company is proud to announce that it is eligible for membership in the elite four-mile club. Wouldn't you like to have Eastman work for you? Eastman Oil Well Survey Company is a subsidiary of Art Nell. Our game is moving into the bottom of the fourth inning at Boston. The White Sox three and Boston nothing. And the leadoff batter is first baseman George Scott. Here is a ball that's low. Cubs four and the Mets nothing at the end of six at Chicago in the first game of a double bill. Harlan set again and ready to fire. And here is a line drive. Buford leaps up and grabs it for the up. That'll bring up center fielder Reggie Smith. Here is Reggie Smith. Ready to step into the batter's box. He's batting left-handed. They have two hits. The White Sox have seven hits. Reggie looks outside ball one. Set again and the pitch to Reggie. A low fastball. It is ball two. Washington and New York will play a night game. Philadelphia and Pittsburgh at night. Giants in Cincinnati. Dodgers at Atlanta all night. Houston at St. Louis night. Here's a well tag long fly. Center field. Agee way back. The ball hit the wall. The right fielder is going to pick it up. Here's a long relay throw, and he is in a third with a long triple off the center field fence. That ball hit the center field wall over A.G.'s head. The right fielder coming over, Calavito, picked that ball up as it caromed off the wall and let loose a long throw and they let the ball go directly on through to third. So Reggie is on third base, one out. Bottom of the fourth inning, that's hit number three for Boston. Now the batter is Harrelson. He hit a long fly the first time to left center. It was caught in the wind stream cutting across from the left field corner to the right field corner and it held that ball up. Here's a ground ball to short. Back a second out to run score. And the score now is 3-1. to one. So now we have a 3-1 to one ball game. A triple with one out and an infield out scored it. And Harrelson picked up an RBI. That's going to bring up Rico Petroselli. That is the 47th RBI for Harrelson. Rico Petroselli, 
And a swing and a high foul down in the corner. It may go into the stands, and it does. I refer to the stands that parallel the third baseline. In other words, the box seats are down here in front of us. They're running along the line. And then just past third base, they jet out to the foul line and extend all the way down into the left field corner. Those are the stands. There are no stands in left field proper. But there are stands in right field all the way across the field. One strike. And the pitch. Foul tip strike. Check swing, but it's a strike. Strike two. White Sox three and Boston one. Here is a ground foul. Well, I see the Chicago Bears made a mighty comeback last night. Really walloped the St. Louis Cardinals. Ought to make George Hallis feel pretty good and his son, who is a new neighbor of mine. Here's the pitch, and it's a ball. It's a little bit too low, and it's a ball one and a strike two count. White Sox have three runs on seven hits. Boston has one run on three hits. One and two. Here is the pitch to Petroselli, and it's too close. A ball. Two and two. Rico Petroselli, a great little ball player. He was the backup man to Fregosi on the American League All-Star team at short. The pitch, too low, a ball, three and two for Rico. Three and two for Rico Petroselli. Nobody on, two out and one run in in the bottom of the fourth inning. The outfield is deep straight away. The pitch, a ball in the dirt. Second walk. That's going to bring up the catcher, Elston Howard. Monday, the White Sox play a doubleheader at Yankee Stadium. Tuesday, a single daytime game at New York. And then head for home. Harris Howard in the batter's box. And the pitch. Swing and a ground ball to second base. Buford's got it. Easy play. Out. Side retired. In the inning, the bottom of the fourth inning, one run, one hit, one walk, one left. We are now at the end of four at Boston. Bob Elson with Red Rush. White Sox, three runs, seven hits. Boston, one run, three hits.
LSD, ATT, NBC, BOD. You know, we're living in an age of initials, but that last one, BOD, sounds strange, not quite as common as the others. That's because it's new to us non-scientific people. So I think I'll do a bit of explaining here. BOD means biochemical oxygen demand. More specifically, it means biochemical oxygen demand in natural bodies of water. Water needs a certain amount of oxygen. When organic minerals are discharged into a body of water, the oxygen content is depleted and the water then becomes stagnant. So BOD checks are run often to keep check on the quality of the water. These checks are an integral part of the water pollution control services provided by Aqua Systems Corporation. The Minute Aqua System can determine just where you stand in this pollution problem, and they can help you do something about it. Call Aqua Systems Corporation, 922-1163, for complete information. Aqua Systems Corporation. Well, our game at Boston is moving into the top of the fifth inning as we near the halfway point of the ballgame. And the leadoff batter for the White Sox in the fifth inning will be Ward. He'll be followed by Calavito and then by McCraw. Sox lead three to one. At Kansas City, Krause is pitching for Kansas City. In the ninth, at Minnesota, Gladding is pitching for Detroit in the sixth. So it sounds like the Twins are getting some more. If the White Sox beat Boston and the Twins beat Detroit, they, the Twins, go into first place. Here is Ward. Ward has one for two off Lombard. And a ball that's low and away, ball one. Sox three, they have one. Sox have seven hits, Boston three hits. Here is a strike, gets right down the middle. A ball one and a strike one count. And a swing and a low pitch for a ball, a strike, and it's one and two. That ball almost landed in the dirt. The jet stream is blowing toward right field if Ward could get that ball up in the air. And a swing and a miss. He struck him out. That is the fourth strikeout for Lombard, 199. He is second only to Sudden Sam McDowell of Cleveland. Here is Rocky Calavito. He's had a single and a double and a ball, and he asked the ump to take a look at it. Tomorrow it's going to be Lee Stang against Tommy John in the final game of the series. The pitch to Calavito is low. It's ball two. Two and nothing on Rocky Calavito. Most of the customers brought raincoats, top coats. It's a chilly, windy day. And a ground ball. Foul. 
just outside the line, backhanded by Adair. A ball two and a strike one count. Set again. Here is the pitch and a swing on a foul tip strike. It's two and two. Top of the fifth inning. One out. Lombard looks down at Howard again getting a sign the pitch. Swing and a miss. He got him on a wide clicking pitch. Again to the batter's box. Now he asked the umpire to look at the ball after the strike. So they must feel that there's a strange reaction here to the ball because that's about the fifth or sixth time the ump has been asked to examine it but there are cross and strong wind currents blowing here today that also can affect the baseball swing and a miss and it is strike two for Tommy McCraw Two out and nobody on. The White Sox three and Boston one. And the ball is wide. One and two. One and two. He set again and the pitch. It's way outside a ball and it's two and two. So a ball two and a strike two count. The outfield is playing to the right and deep. Here's a ground foul off his leg. It is still two and two. Final game of this four-game series here tomorrow at 2 o'clock Eastern time at 1 o'clock Chicago time. The leadoff man show was Dominic DiMaggio at 12.40. Here is the pitch to McCraw, and it's way outside ball three. In the top of the fifth inning at Fenway Park in Boston. Here's a swing and a foul back up on the screen. So a ball three strike two count. Still here on Tommy McCraw with two out and nobody on. And a high chopper hit to the second baseman, an easy play. He's out. Side retired. Three up and three down, no runs, no hits, no errors. 
Middle of the fifth inning, the score, the White Sox, three runs, seven hits. Boston, one run on three hits. You know, it's always interesting and amusing to discover how recipes for some of the world's best-known dishes come into being. They tell a story about the time of Napoleon when he returned to his camp fresh from a great victory, and his chef wanted to please him with something elaborate. Well, he discovered that the supply train had been delayed, and, well, there was, to make a long story short, one chicken available. And he quickly rounded up olive oil, mushrooms, tomatoes, garlic to augment the feast. This uh, resulting dish brought a lot of praise from Napoleon, and has since become one of the world's best-loved chicken dishes. Named for the Italian battle, it is known as Chicken Marengo. Or whatever you call it, however you cook it, it's a wonderful, wonderful dish, and that's chicken. Enjoy it all. This message by Van Tress Farms, a division of Art Mel. Well, fans, we're at the halfway point of a very, very fine ball game, and we hope it continues in this vein. These Red Sox, however, are very, very tough in this ballpark, and the White Sox are not home yet. They lead, however, 3-1 to one in the middle of the fifth. Now this is Bob Elson saying goodbye for a little while, and here is Red Wing. All right, thank you, Bob. It'll be Jim Lonborg who gets a fine hand as he steps up here. It'll be followed by Mike Andrews and then Jerry Adair in that order. Jim Lonborg who bounced out from the catcher to the first baseman. He is over one. He'll be followed by Andrews and Adair. Andrews has a single. Adair has a single. Two of the three hits given up by Joe Harlan. Even with the bag at third is Pete Ward. Backed up at short is Hanson. Deep on the grass is Buford. Here comes the pitch. A swing and a miss. Strike one. Kansas City beat Baltimore eight to six. The winner, Diego Segui. And the loser, Wally Bunker. Diego Segui is three and four. Bunker now three and six. One homer in that game. The pitch, a swing and a foul back. Ramon Webster getting it. At the end of six, Minnesota three to the Detroit Tigers, nothing. At the end of seven, the Cubs four and the Mets nothing. Now you're caught up right to the minute in all the games. Here's the pitch by Harlan. A changeup curve bounced down the third base side foul. Ward coming in and getting it. On to the count on Jim Lonborg. On deck, Mike Andrews. A three to one ball game. The White Sox leading at Fenway Park in Boston. Owen to the count on big Jim Lonborg. Farland goes into the windup. The right-hander delivers a fastball low and away, one and two. One ball and two strikes. The outfield fairly shallow on Jim. The one-two delivery, and it's way outside a curveball. Two and two. Two balls, two strikes. Joe Hornan looks into battery mate J.C. Martin, gets the sign. Goes into the glove, here's the pitch. A swing and a line shot to Ward, reaching up to his right and taking it right over his shoulder. A line shot. So one down here in the fifth. And Mike Andrews comes to the plate. Mike has one of the three hits. He pops to first and 
Got a single to left. Andrews, the 6'3", 190-pounder, makes his home in Harbor City, California. He was born in Los Angeles. Ward coming in about a half step inside the bag at third. The outfield, fairly deep on Mike Andrews. A good, strong wind blowing from left field across the diamond toward right. And the pitch is a curveball low, 1-0. Tommy Age is shaded to left about 25 feet. And Colavito about 80 feet off the line in right field. Buford backed up at second. Over near second. Here's the 1-0 pitch. And a curveball caught the outside corner. Detroit's out in the seventh failing to score. Minnesota leading in that game 3-0. 3-1 to the score here. White Sox on top. One down, bottom of the fifth. The pitch to the plate, and he squares the ball and takes it low. Ward came charging down the line at third when Andrews shortened up on the bat. Adair in the on-deck circle. Mike Andrews. Here comes the pitch to Mike. A swing and a bouncing ball off of the foot of Harlan. Goes back over toward the left field line. Williams gets it, and Andrews has got himself a double right off the foot of Joe Harlan. Boy, I want to tell you, that ball, Karam and Pete Ward trying to put on the brakes. Is stretching his back, and Charlie Sad Goes out to the mound to make sure Horland's all right, and he reassure, reassures Charlie that he is. So Andrews is on at second with a carom double. Looks like a three-cushion billiard shot. And that will bring Jerry Adair to the plate. He was on an air by Ward and then singled into center field. Andrews on at second. It's a 3-1 ball game. White Sox lead. But remember, that left field wall is only 315 feet away from home plate. It's a 40-foot wall. The pitch, a swing, and a miss over a good soft curve. Jerry Adair, one for two. Four hits have now been given up by Joe Harlan. One run has been given up. That came in the fourth inning. The White Sox got the three in the first. Orland delivers a curveball. He tries to check a swing and bounces it foul down to Eddie Popowski in the third base coach's box. It's Bobby Doerr in the first base coach's box for the Boston Red Sox. Pete Ward goes out to the mound to have a couple of words with Joe Harlan. Buford three steps back on the grass and over even with second. Ward deep at third. Hanson backs up at short. Horland to the waist. Here comes the pitch. A fastball. Bounced down to Buford. Holds the runner. Throws to first and has it there. That ball was hit sharply on the right side to Buford, who came in onto the skin part of the diamond after being two steps back on the grass. And now here comes the dangerous Carl Yastrzemski. There's a sign right down to our right here that says, let's go, yeah. 
Carl Yastrzemski from Linfield, Massachusetts, 28 years of age, six feet tall and 180 pounders. And get these credentials, the 311 batting average, 35 homers, 95 runs batted in. Two down, Horland delivers, a fastball low and outside. On deck, George Scott. Three to one, White Sox lead. We're in the bottom of the fifth inning of play. Corland checks the runner. Here's the 1-0 delivery, and a good one on the outside corner right beneath the letters. One and one. One ball, one strike, two down, with Mike Andrews on at second with a carom double going right off the foot of Joe Harlan and bouncing over past Pete Ward and Walt Williams, the left fielder, had to come in to field the ball. Harlan delivers, and he caught the outside corner with a curveball that just nibbled away right below the waist and above the knees. One and two the count on Carl Yastrzemski. Don Buford is deep at second. A step back on the grass is Tommy McCraw at first. Deep in right is Colavito. Over in right center, Tommy Agee. 110 feet off the line and left is Walt Williams. The pitch outside two and two. Two balls, two strikes, two down. At the end of seven and a half, the Cubs four and the Mets nothing. Yastrzemski the batter with two away. Right-hander Horland starts to go to the waist and Yastrzemski steps out. Bill Howler, the plate umpire, calls time. And now Yastrzemski gets back in and gets his toehold, measures the place. The infield swung around to the right and deep. Ward a good 35 feet off the line at third. Here's the pitch. A swing and a ball foul back. Let's pause now. Ten seconds for station identification. Leon's, the tenderest, juiciest, best-tasting wieners your money can buy. Get Leon's for your cookout. WMAQ NBC in Chicago. Two and two the count on Carl Yastrzemski. A three-to-one ball game. White Sox lead by two. But with Yastrzemski up here and a runner on, that lead can be in jeopardy. Remember... The wind is blowing from left field across the diamond, the stream going to right field. So if he can get one up in the air, it could be. Bob Locker loosening up in the bullpen for the white side. Horland comes to the plate, a swing and a foul ball right back to the left side out of play. Yastrzemski with the number eight on the back of his uniform. It's a red number eight with that black headgear, white uniform, and red lettering across the front saying Red Sox. His socks are red, white, and black. Orland delivers. A swing and a bouncing ball right side. Buford charges, has it, throws. He's out at first base. So in the inning, no runs, one hit. No errors, and one man left aboard. At the end of five, the score at Fenway Park in Boston. It's the White Sox three and Boston one. You know, you say your company moved into town about a year ago. 
locating in the Chicago area provide hundreds of jobs. You did your best to make your industrial plant attractive. The mayor never did come down to present you with the key to the city. But, well, we can guarantee you a key, a special kind of key, usually known as a turnkey, a turnkey project. Aqua Systems Corporation is the new company, Chicago-based, organized to deal with water pollution. They can work as advisors or develop this advice into an individualized control process. Call the men at the Aqua Systems Corporation at 922-1163. They can tell you more about the turnkey project. That number is 922-1163, the Aqua Systems Corporation. We are now going into the top of the sixth inning of play with J.C. Martin, Ron Hanson, and Joe Horland in that order to come up here. At the end of three quarters, it's the New York Giants 13 and Philadelphia Eagles 10. J.C. Martin, who lined a shot right into the first baseman's mitt and then drew an intentional pass after having two balls on him. He comes in here. J.C. is 0 for 1. Jim Lonborg in five innings has given up three runs on seven hits, walked three, and struck out five. He gave up all three runs in the first inning after two were out. Right-hander winds up. Here's the pitch. A swing, a little pop-up at third. Coming in quick. Is a there? He can't get it as it goes into foul territory, bouncing one hop into the stand. So Adair came charging. Elston Howard went running out in foul territory, but the ball dropped rapidly to the ground and then bounced into the stand. Owen won the count on J.C. Martin. Big Jim Lonborg, 18 wins, six losses this year. Six five, 200 pounders. The right-hander delivers, and it's into the dirt in front of the plate, one and one. One ball, one strike. We are in the top of the sixth inning of play. Red Rush along with Bob Elson on the play-by-play -play story from Fenway Park in Boston. Low and outside, two and one. The score in the ball game, three to one, the White Sox lead. Right-hander Lonborg says yes to the sign. Here's the big kick, the pitch, a swing, and a high skyscraper on the infield. Scott, at first, backs up in foul territory and makes the catch. One down. That'll bring Ron Hansen to the plate. Hansen walked and bounced into a fielder's choice to end the inning in the third. Ron Hansen, right-handed swinger with seven homers, 45 runs batted in, takes the fastball outside. On deck is Joe Horland. Defensively, Adair is deep at third. Petroselli backs up at short, and on the grass at second is Andrews, a fastball on the outside corner right at the waistline. One and one the count on Ron. 
Big Jim Lombard goes into the windup. The 1-1 delivery. He tries to lay a bunt down. Pops it up. It's falling in front of Adair. He gets it and then drops the ball. It'll go as a base hit, I'm sure. It is a base hit. He tried to lay a bunt down and popped it out over the mound. Adair came charging in from third and Pepper Sully from short. And it's just a little infield single. Well, you don't see Hanson laying down too many bunts, Bob. No, he evidently saw Adair back and decided to try to do what Walter Williams did, catch them by surprise. But he got a base hit anyway in an odd fashion as that bunt jumped right over the pitcher's head. Joe Horland, the batter, with Hanson on at first. Adair, shallow at third. He squares the bunt, pushes it down to Scott. Scott has it. Could be double play. No, Hanson is back. As he fires to Andrews, coming over, and Hanson dove headlong back as Horland trying to sacrifice. Got the ball in the air to first baseman Scott. That will bring Walt Williams to the plate. Walt is two for three here this afternoon. He struck out in the first, laid down a beautiful bunt in the second, and then lined a single to right in the fourth. John Hiller has gone into pitch for the Tigers in the seventh inning. Minnesota leading three to nothing in that ball game. The pitch to Walter, a swing and a line shot hit right past Grover Riesinger in that third base coach's box. Ron Hansen on at first. Three to one, White Sox lead in the ball game. We are in the top half of the sixth inning of play at Fenway. Lomborg to the waist. Here's the pitch. And he curves him on the outside corner. Walder turns around, walks out, and scoops up some dirt. Walder shakes his head as he comes back in here. You know, Red, that big weekend series with the Minnesota Twins at Chicago two weeks from this weekend looks bigger all the time. Yes, it certainly does. Here's the pitch to Walder. And he takes it outside. One and two. Like to remind you that the ticket office is open tomorrow and Monday from 10 until 4 for your convenience out at White Sox Park. So get out and pick up your tickets for all of the remaining home games the White Sox have. Lomborg checks the runner. Here's the pitch high over the head of Walt Williams. Two and two. Two balls, two strikes, and two down. We are in the top of the sixth. Boy, you talk about a tight pennant race. This is certainly it. Boston on top by a half game in front of Minnesota. Two in front of Detroit. Two and a half in front of the White Sox. Inside and Walter jumps in the air and backs up. Full count three and two. So two and a half games separate the top four clubs in the American League. And it could be tighter after today. Lomborg to the waist, Hanson leads. He'll be running, there he goes, the pitch, a swing and a drive, up the alley in the center, it's going to be in there for extra bases. Hanson is going to score, he rounds third, Walder rounds second, he's on his way to third, Petroselli relays, he'll dive, and he is out of third base, and he's going to fade away fly, but the run scores. It goes as a double, and a run batted in. And that relay goes from eight to six, to five, 
getting Walter at third as he put a fadeaway slide. It's a run batted in, and that makes it a four to one ball game in the inning. It was one run, two hits, no errors, and nobody left the board. And so at the end of five and a half innings of play here at Fenway Park in Boston, the score. The White Sox four, Boston one. You know, starting Wednesday night at home at Chicago, the White Sox open a very, very big and a very important home stand. And that's why the box office at Sox Park is open tomorrow, Sunday. It'll be open Monday, Labor Day, from 10 o'clock in the morning until 4 in the afternoon for the convenience of all of you fans. And boy, this thing isn't over by a long shot. The White Sox are leading Boston here now 4-1. to one. They open at home with California, then a big four-game weekend with Detroit, and then the Cleveland Indians come in, and then the big weekend series with the rough-and-tough Minnesota Twins. They'll be leading the league today if the White Sox beat Boston and they beat Detroit. So we have a lot of big games coming up at home, and don't miss a single one. Remember, the box office at Sox Park is open tomorrow and on Monday from 10 to 4. It'll be the middle three in the batting order. George Scott, Reggie Smith, and Kenny Harrelson in that order to face the right-hander, Joe Horland, who in five innings has given up one run on four hits. Walked two, struck out one. The pitch to Scott, a swing and a bouncing ball. Foul at third by about a foot at the most. Boy, Walter really brought his hitting togs today, Bob. He has two singles and a solid double. Walter is enjoying himself thoroughly. He spiked A.G. once today, collided with him another time, has had three big hits. He's run all over this ballpark, and he's really had himself a day. Harlan into the windup. Here comes the pitch right down the pike for a call to right two. Well, Frank DeRosa and I were having dinner with Walter last night, and uh, <laughs> we said, you know, we expect you to get four hits tomorrow. Walter didn't even know he was going to be in the lineup. And he's got three of them, all right, Frank. Maybe we better have dinner with all the boys. George Scott, who is 0 for 2, grounded into a double play and then lined one to Buford, the second baseman, who is back on the grass. The 0-2 pitch, a curveball, fouled off the right side going into the stands. Minnesota hit Detroit with a two spot. Minnesota five, Detroit nothing at the end of seven. George Scott with a 302 batting average. The big guy is 6'2, weighs 220 pounds. 23 years of age from Greenville, Mississippi. The pitch up fastball just a little wide. One ball and two strikes on the batter, George Scott. Here comes the pitch. A swing and a bouncing ball right side. Buford at the edge of the grass. Has it. Throws. Got him. Nice play by Don. At the end of eight innings of play, the Chicago Cubs in the first of a double dipper. Five and the Mets nothing. 
Well, those Chicago Cubs are only 11 and a half games out of the league lead. They're in third place, a half game behind Cincinnati. And they've got a big weekend against the New York Mets. Reggie Smith, who scored the only run of the ball game, he tripled off the center field wall and he flied to left. Here's the pitch, and he takes it outside ball one. Pete Ward on Reggie, playing shallow, a good 25 feet inside the bag. Smith wants the umpire to examine the ball. He does and throws it right back out to Joe Horland. Well, let's say one thing, Bob. They've examined that ball on both sides quite a few times today. Horland has the sign. Here comes the pitch. A swing and a drive deep to center. Agee's there, waiting now, and he's got it. Boy, Reggie is kissing that ball well this afternoon. Once for a triple, the other two times just out. That'll bring Kenny Harrelson to the plate. He drove in the only run when he bounced out deep at shortstop. Kenny Harrelson, 11 homers, 47 runs batted in. And we were joking with Kenny prior to the game about his wearing his money belt around his waist when he plays due to the fact that he uh, acquired a little additional money this year by getting a bonus from the Red Sox for signing after getting his unconditional release from Charles O'Finley. A curveball bounced sharply foul at third. Two down, we're in the sixth inning of play. Buford is way back on the grass. A good three or four steps back on the grass at second. Hanson deep at short, Pete Ward deep at third, and backed up at first is Tommy McCraw. The outfield is deep. Agee straight away, Williams straight away, and Colavito about 80 feet off the line. A curveball outside, one and one. Kenny Harrelson last night drove in four runs with a double, a homer, a triple, and he's driven in the only run of the ball game today for the Red Sox. So he's paid dividends already. Last night, his first time up in a Red Sox uniform, got a home run. Here comes the pitch. A swing and a drive going deep out the center. Way back, back as A.G. leaps up the ball, goes in his glove and out again against the wall. And Kenny Harrelson has got himself a double. A.G. leaped up as high as he could. He thought he had it. It hit the top of his glove and fell off. Well, that shot is a good 380 to 385 feet away. And, Bob, Kenny Harrelson is really ripping the cover off that ball. Well, I thought Tommy had that ball. He had it in his glove, or he touched that ball. And then on the way down, if he'd have been able to keep track of the ball, he might have recaught it. But the ball, as he bumped away from the wall, dropped behind him and dropped on the ground. It was a high shot off the center field fence and a two-base hit. That'll bring Rico Petroselli, who has popped up to the second baseman and drawn a walk. Harrelson is on at second, two down. Portland to the waist. Here comes the pitch, and it's in there for a call strike. Dan Osinski is loosening up in the bullpen. For the Boston Red Sox, just in case they get down to Lonborg, because after Petroselli comes Howard and then Lonborg. The pitch by Horland, a curveball, bounce foul at third. 
At the end of seven and a half, Minnesota five, the Detroit Tigers nothing. As Dave Boswell is trying for his 12th win of the year. Denny McLean started. He was knocked out. Gladding came on in the sixth. Hiller came on in the seventh for the Detroit Tigers. Orland to the waist. The right-hander delivers. The fastball on the outside corner for a call. Strike three. Caught Petroselli looking. So in the inning, no runs. One hit. No errors. And one man left. At the end of six complete innings of play, the score in the ball game. It's the White Sox four and Boston one. So you've heard the saying, don't make waves or you've got waves. The person who tries to ignore the problem, push it under the carpet, will usually do so saying, don't make waves. But there are others, people who work toward a solution, who will make waves and change the course of action. And there's a new company in Chicago, the Aqua Systems Corporation, their pollution control experts. And they're here to make waves. Our nation's lakes and waterways have been used as a convenient vehicle for waste. And it's time to change the course of action. Aquasystems is set to make that change possible. They're organized to deal with water pollution. Call Aquasystems at 9221163 for complete information. They're going to make lots of waves in the area, so remember the name. Aqua Systems Corporation. And the number, 9221163. In the top half of the seventh inning of play, it will be Don Buford, Tommy Agee, and Pete Ward in that order to face right-hander Jim Lonborg. Well, Dave Wickersham has gone into pitch for the Tigers in the eighth inning, trailing 5-1 to one in that ballgame, Minnesota leading. Where's this? There's a sign down here that is quite a contrast to what they have been carrying around here. And this one says, we love Eddie Stanky. <laughs> and uh, believe me, here the press has got them on Eddie Stanky. And uh, Stanky, a very stimulating individual. And consequently, last night they were singing other phrases. And they were winning 10-2. And now a sign came up down here that drew some boos from the fans. It said, we love Eddie Stanky. We're with you, sign. All right, Don Buford, Tommy Agee, and Pete Ward to face right-hander Jim Lomborg. Shallow at third is Adair. Petroselli over near second. Backed up at second is the second baseman, Andrews. And deep at first, George Scott. The outfield swung around to the right side with Yastrzemski, a good... 95 feet off the left field line and a curveball high and outside. Four to one, White Sox lead. We're in the top half of the seventh inning of play. Red Rush along with Bob Elson on the play-by-play -play story from Fenway Park in Boston, Mass. Bill Reiner, our stat man. A swing and a foul ball into the stands on the right field side. Owen won the counter. One ball, one strike to count on Don Buford. Don, a switch hitter, batting left-handed against Big Longborg, and he takes one on the outside corner right above the knees. Don turns around and walks out of the batter's box. 
boy, Don had some good ones last night, but he's 0 for 3 here. The wind blowing quite a bit of dust up, and so Buford turns around, protects his eyes, and walks away. Now he's back in as the wind settles down a bit. The Cubs, the winner, 5 to nothing over the Mets. There goes that stanky sign again, and it's low. Two and two. The youngsters carrying the sign through the stands over on the right side. We love Stanky. <laughs> and a couple of kids are going down to take the sign away from them. Here comes the pitch. A bouncing ball hard down to Scott. Fumbles it, picks it up, underhands it just in time to Jim Lonborg. Nice recovery by George Scott. Jim Lonborg doing the pitching has given up four runs on nine hits. Well, as Bob pointed out, Lonborg on the road has got an earned run average of just a little over two, but at home he's got an earned run average of 5.46. Lonborg into the windup. Here's the pitch to Tommy. A curveball outside, 1-0. Got a nice telegram before the game today from Bill Hickey, one of the big Chicago White Sox boosters, saying, get back into the win column after last night's defeat. And we're with you, Bill. One ball, no strikes. Here's the pitch. And it's on the inside corner to Tommy for a call strike one. Frank DeRosa, Came out here on business from Chicago, our sales manager on WMAQ in Chicago. The curveball over the middle, strike two. And uh, we were discussing over breakfast this morning the fact that Portland could be the stopper for us here against Boston and get us back in the win column. And then we get out here and immediately receive a telegram saying the same thing. Right, Frank? One and two. Here's the pitch. A bouncing ball, one hopper, good stab by Lomborg. Has it, throws, high at first, but Scott got it. Goes one to three. Two up and two down, and that'll bring Pete Ward to the plate. Ward singled and scored in the first, bounced out the first, and struck out. He is one for three. Cal Coons was the winner for the Cubs. He's five and four. Rather, uh, was the loser for the Mets. He's five and four. Coons used to be with the Cubs. And Joe Necro, the winner, he is 8-6. 5-11-2 and two for the Cubs, 0-4-2 for the Mets. The Cubs the winner in the first game, 5 to nothing. The pitch to Ward. A swing and a foul down off of the foot of Bill Howler, the plate umpire. And he retrieves the ball, limping somewhat. 0-1 the count. On deck is Rocky Colavito. Well, you can hear the boos. Down the right field side, they're taking that We Love Stanky sign everywhere through the stands. Keep it up, fellas. <laughs> Here's the pitch and a tie. One ball and one strike. Lomborg, the big, tall right-hander. Good-looking pitcher. 
Into the windup, the pitch to Ward. A swing and a foul down. One ball and two strikes. Pete Ward, the batter, batting 245 on the year with 16 homers and 52 runs batted in. His homers and RBI total are tops on the team. This will be Lomborg's last inning to work, probably. And the pitch is low, two and two. For the Red Sox, Elston Howard, Lomborg, and Andrews are scheduled to come up, so they'll probably have... Howard and a pinch hitter for Lomborg in the bottom of the seventh. Four to one, White Sox out in front. They've got a left-hander loosening up now. A swing and a foul down. Lyle is loosening up. Again, ready to go. The right-hander delivers. A curveball popped up over our broadcasting booth out of play. So the count remains two balls and two strikes on Pete Ward. Again, Lomborg delivers a swing and a foul ball off the left side into the stands, a souvenir for one of the fans here at Fenway Park, and they've got plenty of them here today. They had 35,000. Well, let's see. Let's get the exact figures. 35,138 in the first game, 35,054 last night, and they probably got about 33,000, 34,000 today. Here's the pitch. A swing and a foul back. Ward falls down in the dirt right on home plate. Boy, you think he didn't corkscrew into the ground. I'll tell you, he really did on that one. He took an all-American cut and an all-American fall. Two and two the count on Pete. Jim Lonborg, the big guy on the mound with 200 strikeouts to his credit, delivers a swing and a foul off. Let's pause here. Ten seconds for station identification. WMAQ, NBC in Chicago. Beat Ward, the batter. We're in the last of the seventh inning of play, or the top of the seventh, I should say, with a 4-1 ball game. Ward in here. The White Sox and the Red Sox at Fenway. The pitch. A swing and a high fly deep to center. Reggie Smith backing up. Now comes in right at the warning track and has it. Three up and three down here in the seventh. At the end of six and a half innings of play, the score... The White Sox, four runs on nine hits. The Red Sox, one run on five hits. You know what you're listening today to White Sox baseball if you're concerned with any kind of a money problem. Even though it's Saturday, you can do something about it, and that's nice to know because friendly Bob Adams, your loan-by-phone specialist, 
is standing by to be of service to you and to anyone with any kind of a money problem, large or small. So figure out exactly what you need. Maybe you need money for a vacation. You hesitate, you want to get your bills paid first. Well, you know you can do both with a call to Bob Adams at General Finance. So give him a ring at Andover 32020. Tell him what you need and when you expect to stop by. And then whenever you do at any one of our 50 General Finance offices on Tuesday, Monday is a holiday, your money will be ready and waiting. Andover 32020. They say there's 28,222, so there must be a lot more empty seats than we can see. The probables tomorrow, Tommy John for the White Sox and Lee Sang for the Red Sox. It will be Jose Tardable coming in here to bat for Howard. Tardable coming in to bat for Howard. Joe Horland in six innings has given up one run on five hits. The pitch, a swing and a high fly to left. Walt Williams moving to his right, coming in, tapping the glove, and he's got it for an out. Joe Foy, the batter, batting for Jim Lonborg. Here's the windup and the pitch, and a fastball right over the knees to Joe. Boy came in last night's ball game, struck out, walked, and struck out. And a strike to the call. Joe Foy, a big right-handed swinger in here. Boy, six feet tall, 210 pounder, 24 years of age, and a fastball outside. Boy was born and raised in New York. New York City, New York. That's where the White Sox go after tomorrow's game. The pitch inside missing, two and two. We've got one down, bottom of the seventh. White Sox lead four to one in the ball game. Getting three runs in the first inning. Boston came up with a run in the fourth, and we countered with a run in the sixth. Orland delivers. A bouncing ball sharply hit down to Ward. Has it, throws high to first, but he's out. So two down here in the seventh, and that'll bring Mike Andrews to the plate. Andrews has two of the five hits. He got a single in the third and then caromed a double off of Joe Horland's foot in the fifth. Two down here in the bottom half of the seventh inning of play. Ward even with a sack at third base. The rest of the infield is backed up as the right-hander delivers a fastball on the inside corner right below the letters. D-Rack one. Owen won the count on the batter, Mike Andrews. 
Orland delivers a curveball. Soft liner right to the draw. Side retires. Three up and three down. At the end of seven, the score. It's the White Sox four and Boston one. Today is truly the era of the specialist. You're likely to need one for all sorts of things, from replacing a picture tube to installing a heating system. And the folks at General Finance know there's one time for sure when you can use a specialist help, and that's when you want to borrow money for unexpected medical bills or that much-needed family vacation. Whenever you need cash, let friendly Bob Adams and General Finance's team of loan-by-phone specialists step in and help. With a loan from $25 on up to $5,000. And all it takes is a call to Bob Adams at General Finance. That number is Andover 32020. And then whenever you stop by at your convenience at any one of the 50 General Finance offices in Chicagoland, your money will be ready and waiting. Remember the number is Andover 32020. Dan Osinski, a right-hander, comes in to do the pitching for the Boston Red Sox. Osinski comes on, and to do the catching, we'll have Mike Ryan. We're in the eighth inning of play. The White Sox lead in the ball game by a score of four to one. Bob Osinski makes his home in Chicago. This is his thirtieth appearance of the year. He has won three and lost one. He's worked 56 innings and given up 53 hits. In the home run ball department, he's given up four. He has a fine earned run average of 2.39. So Dan Osinski has come on at the end of seven. The White Sox four and Boston one. Dan Osinski taking his warm-up tosses. Dalton Jones is uh, catching him at the present time because Mike Ryan hasn't come out yet. Now he's coming out. Now the catcher comes out to warm him up. Defensively, let's go around the infield again. George Scott at first, Mike Andrews at second, Rico Petroselli the shortstop, Jerry Adair at third, in left field Carl Yastrzemski, center field Reggie Smith, and in right field Kenny Harrelson. It will be Colavito, McCraw, and Martin in that order to face right-hander Dan Osinski. Rocky Colavito stepping up to the plate here at Fenway Park. Rocky has a double scoring a run. He also scores. He singled, and he struck out. Dan Osinski, working here in the eighth in relief of Jim Lonborg, pitches high and outside. Four to one, White Sox lead. Right-hander delivers again, a bouncing ball, one hopper off the glove of the pitcher. He picks it up, throws high to first, but gets in. Some of the fans went, oh, and ah, as that throw to first was a little high, but in time. Tommy McCraw comes up to the plate now. 
Tommy got a two-run single in the first and bounced out twice to the second baseman. He is one for three, but he has two runs batted in, and he takes a good one on the inside corner. He right ball. Owen won the count on Tommy. Martin on deck. A changeup into the dirt. One and one. Mike Ryan is now doing the catching in place of Elston Howard. Ken Barry is loosening up out in the bullpen, loosening his arm up out there. Here comes the pitch. A swing and a miss. Right too. Boy, you talk about taking a cut. Tommy McGraw really did. One ball and two strikes. The pitcher delivers outside two and two. Cotton Nash is also loosening up his arm. In the bullpen, Dave Moorhead, who's, there's a swing and a drive to center. Reggie Smith comes on a few feet. He's got it. Boy, Tommy hit that one right on the line. Dave Moorhead is loosening up in the bullpen for Boston. J.C. Martin, who is over two, lined the first, drew an intentional walk, and popped up the first. Ron Hansen will come out into the on-deck circle. So J.C. Martin coming on. There's a swing and a base hit up the alley in right center going through. Martin's got himself a double. He goes into second standing up. And now he's going on to third. The throw coming down. He flies. He's in there safely. The ball got through Mike Andrews. Petroselli picked it up and fired to third. And that is heads up baseball running by J.C. Martin. It's a two-base hit, and they give an error to the right fielder, Kenny Harrelson, on the throw-in. And I I can't see how they're giving an error to him. It went right through. There's a cutoff man. And the cutoff man let it go through. So that is a double in right center for J.C. Martin, and they gave an error on Kenny Harrelson. Ron Hanson, the batter, with J.C. Martin on at third base. Right-hander Dan Osinski with two down, delivers to Hanson, and he takes it outside. Here's the final score. Philadelphia rallied to beat the Giants 24-13. And the pitch outside, 2-0 on Ron Hanson. On deck is Joe Horland. Connors is pitching for the Mets in the second game against Kalmas for the Cubs. 2-0 on Hanson as Osinski delivers low, 3-0.
Three balls, no strikes. They're going to put him on now intentionally on the last one. So now that'll bring it up to Joe Harlan to come up to the plate and get a piece of that ball. And Walt Williams walks up behind him to give him a little encouragement. Here comes Joe Harlan and the fans here at Fenway Park giving Joe a good hand as he steps up to the plate. Mixed with a few boos, but quite a few people giving him a hand. Runners take their leads with Harlan the batter. Osinski to the waist. Here's the pitch. A swing and a one-hopper back to the mound. Osinski has, throws, got him. Retires the side. So in the inning, no runs, one hit, one miscue, and two men left the board. At the end of seven and a half innings of play, the score in the ball game: the White Sox four and Boston one. Say, this summer, why not treat yourself to some of America the Beautiful? Visit scenic Yellowstone Park, maybe the Grand Canyon. How about a trip out to San Francisco or down south to beautiful Sarasota, Florida? Well, if a lack of cash and stacks of debts have your luggage in storage, start to pack. Because General Finance can make it possible for you to enjoy that wonderful trip and you could clear up all those debts at the same time. Call Bob Adams at General Finance, or you can arrange to borrow from $25 on up to $5,000 in a matter of minutes with no fuss, no red tape, and no delay. So call today, figure out what you need, and then give friendly Bob Adams a call at General Finance. And then whenever you stop by at any one of our 50 offices in Chicagoland, your money will be ready and waiting. We're now going into the bottom of the eighth inning of play. Ken Berry moves into right field for the White Sox. Rocky Colavito is out. Ken Berry moves into right. Joe Horland pitching here in the eighth. It'll be Adair, Yastrzemski, and Scott. Bob, you've got a final score there on Minnesota. Yes, Minnesota behind Boswell's fine pitching blank. The Tigers 5-9-0. and oh. The Tigers nothing 6-1. 31,839 saw that ball game. Boswell is 12-9. McLean 17-15. Detroit will be at Chicago next weekend. Minnesota will be at Chicago the following weekend. And we'd like to remind you that tomorrow... At White Sox Park from 10 to 4 and Monday from 10 to 4, the ticket office at White Sox Park will be open. It'll be a there, Yastrzemski and Scott. In the outfield for the White Sox, Williams in left, A.G. in center, and Ken Berry in right. Here comes Jerry Adair to the plate. On, on an air. Single to center and bounced out to second. So we're going to the last of the eighth with the White Sox leading in the ball game by a score of four to one. Orland ready to go to work. Here comes the pitch. And it's bouncing right at the plate. Ball one. A one and oh count on Jerry Adair. Jerry batting 267. 
He's batting 299, however, since coming to the Boston Red Sox. That ball bounced off the arm of J.C. Martin. Evidently hit him on the elbow because Charlie Sad, the trainer, is coming out and putting a little freeze on his right elbow. And Tommy McCraw comes in from first base to loosen up Joe Horman a bit. One and the count on Jerry Adair. Tomorrow afternoon, Tommy John and Lee Stang. J.C. says he's all right now, and he goes back behind home plate, and Tommy McCraw goes back to first base. Well, the only other game going in the majors is the second Cub-Met game. All other games are completed. Harlan into the windup. Here's the pitch. A bouncing ball. Base hit past Pete Ward. Down the left field side. Walt Williams up with the ball. Throws it in. So Adair has his second hit of the afternoon against his former teammate. And that will bring up Carl Yastrzemski. Carl Yastrzemski coming to the plate. Bob Locker gets up and starts to warm up in the White Sox bullpen. Yastrzemski the batter. He is 0 for 2 with a walk. A swing and a foul ball off the left side. Out of play and out of Fenway Park. Carl Yastrzemski, 35 homers, 95 runs batted in. He walked in the first inning, bounced to first to end the inning in the third, grounded second to first to end the inning in the fifth. Portland to the waist, here comes the pitch, and it's a fastball low. One ball, one strike on Carl Yastrzemski. Right-hander Joe Horland in seven-plus innings now has given up one run on six hits. Walked two, and he has struck out one. He has struck out two, I should say. Both on a called third strike. The pitch, curveball inside. A two-and-one count on Yaz. Infield shaded around to the right with Pete Ward a good 40 feet off the third base sack. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly going out to left center. But A.G. is there coming in. He's got it. Initially, that ball looked like it might go all the way to the wall. Didn't even make the warning track. Because of that brisk win, he got it up high in the air. That'll bring George Scott to the plate. Scott bounced into a double play, lined to second, and bounced to second. One down, last to the eighth.
Scott, a big husky right-handed swinger. Here comes the pitch. A swing and a miss as he took a home run cut at a ball that was a fast pitch inside, a good foot inside. Scott requested Howler examine the baseball. He does and then throws it back to Harlan, the pitcher. 0-1 they count with one down. On at first is Jerry Adair. The outfield shaded around to the left, and they are deep. Pete Ward back up at third. Hanson over near second, and near second is the second baseman, Buford. Harlan to the waist. Here's the pitch. A curveball popped up. Right side, foul territory. Coming in McCraw, and he's got it. As Joe Horland comes over between the catcher and the first baseman and yells McCraw's ball all the way. Two down. With two down, it will be Reggie Smith who tripled off the center field wall. 380 or 390 feet away from home plate. And he scored the only run in the ball game for the Red Sox. He flied to left, flied to center, and tripled. Adair is on at first. And now time is called as a gust of wind blows up some dirt at the batter's box around home plate. Forland to the waist. Here comes the, the pitch to Smith in there for a called strike as he broke a curveball across the middle. Four to one, White Sox lead. We are in the last of the eighth inning of play. Right-hander Horland to the waist. Here comes the pitch, and he takes it low and outside. The shadows here at Fenway Park now have covered home plate, but the batter, Reggie Smith, is batting in the sunshine. The shadows also have just barely covered third base, about three feet out over the sack. And the light tower casting a shadow out near second. Here's the pitch, and he caught the outside corner with a good change-up curve. One and two. One ball, two strikes, and two down. We're in the last of the eighth with Reggie Smith and his closed batting stance in here. He has tape on his left wrist. Here comes the delivery, and he checked the swing. It's in there, a curveball for a call, strike three. He struck him out. Of the three strikeouts by Horland this afternoon, all of them have been called third strike. So in the inning, no runs, one hit, one man left. At the end of eight complete innings of play, the score, White Sox four and Boston one. Well, the school bells will start ringing pretty soon now. And that'll mean additional expenses, not just for books and school supplies, new clothes and shoes for the youngsters. You know that's an item you can save money on if you have ready cash to take advantage of those back-to-school clothing sales. You can get the cash in a matter of minutes with no fuss, no red tape, and no delay at General Finance. And all you have to do is call Bob Adams, our loan-by-phone man, at Andover 32020. Tell him what you need and when you expect to stop by. And then, whenever you do, at any one of our general finance offices, your money will be ready and waiting. Take advantage of the wonderful service that you always get on a loan 
And believe me, it is the best in the country at the General Finance Loan Company. Well, we've got a youngster that ran out on the diamond, and <laughs> he's going to stay out there because the ushers are trying to get to him. Now he's looking for a place to go. He went out, shook hands with Yastrzemski, then Reggie Smith. And now the gendarmes and the ushers are coming out, and he's making his way to trying to find protection someplace. But I'll guarantee you one thing. No matter where he goes, the ushers will end up getting him. He jumps and dives into the stand. But the ushers are going to go over and catch him anyway. There go four ushers down to get him. He's trying to hide. He's, he's <laughs> and the fans are helping him. Well, that's the way it goes. Yes, that usher's got him. All right, Walt Williams, Don Buford, and Tommy Agee. Boy, some guys will do anything. Here's the pitch, and it's in there for a called strike one on Walter. Walter has two singles, a double, a run batted in, and a strikeout. He is three for four. The Mets failed to score in the first inning. In that second game, the Cubs won the first one five to nothing. Here comes the pitch, and he checks the swing and takes it. Ball one, one and one. One ball and one strike on the batter, Walt Williams. On deck, Don Buford and Tommy Agee in the hole. Osinski delivers a swing and a high pop fly on the infield. Adair in on the grass, right at the edge of the grass, has it for the out. Boy, the wind is really blowing up a storm here this afternoon. One down, and that'll bring Don Buford to the plate. Buford is 0 for 4 here this afternoon. At the end of one, Cubs nothing, Mets nothing. The only other game going in the majors. Minnesota beat Detroit 5 to nothing. Here's the pitch, and it's in there for a called strike. Kansas City a winner 8 to 6 over Baltimore. The Cubs beat the Mets 5 to nothing in the first game, and there's no score at the end of one in the second. White Sox lead here 4 to 1, ninth inning. A swing and a miss. Strike two. On back is Tommy Agian. In the hole, Pete Ward. Osinski delivers a swing and a miss. Strike three, he struck him out. Two down, and Tommy Agee comes up here. Tommy walked and scored the first run of the ball game in the first inning, struck out in the second, singled to center, not to center, actually right over the mound in the fourth inning, and bounced out to the mound in the seventh. Tommy Agee, one for three this afternoon. A swing and a high hopper out over second. Andrews up in the air, gets it, throws, not in time. Agee legs out a single. His second hit of the afternoon. An infield hit as he hit a high hopper over the mound and back behind second. Andrews got it, leaped in the air to throw. 
but Agee was over there. That is the 11th hit of the ball game for the White Sox. And the batter, Pistol Pete Ward, who is one for four here this afternoon, on deck will be Ken Berry. Right now, McCraw is out there. Right-hander Osinski checks Agee. Agee may be going, too, because he's got speed to burn. Here's the pitch, and he takes it outside, ball one. One and oh the count on Pete Ward. Right-hander turns, throws to first, but A.G. is back. One and oh on Pete. Pete way down on the end of that bat. A.G. leads off. Here comes the pitch. A pitch out called for. A.G. was going nowhere. Two and oh the count on Ward. They can't afford uh, too many more pitch outs now. The wind blowing up a storm down at home plate, and Ward backs out, and Haller, the plate umpire, calls time momentarily. Now Pete steps back in. Dan Osinski down to the waist. A.G. not with too big of a lead. Now gets a bigger lead. He's not going anywhere, and the pitch is low. A.G.'s going nowhere as Mike Ryan dropped the ball. It's three balls, no strikes. We've got two down, ninth inning. Well, let's see if they give the green light to Pistol Pete on that 3-0 pitch. Three balls and no strikes. Dan Osinski to the waist, A.G. lead. Here's the pitch. A swing and a miss. Boy, he was heading that pitch for downtown Boston, and he got a hold of it. Before the next pitch, let's pause here. Ten seconds for station identification. Children of all ages, cheer for a winner. When you serve Leon sausages, oh, so good. WMAQ, NBC in Chicago. Pete Ward, the batter. A.G. on at first, and he may go on this 3-1 pitch. He takes his lead. Osinski to the waist. There he goes. Here's the pitch. A swing and a drive going high and foul. It is going out of the ballpark. Boy, did he hit that one, but foul down the right field line. Man, you talk about tagging a ball. Pete got all of that ball and pulled it. Foul. So the count, three and two now. And Tommy Agee will be legging it down to second, hoping that Pete will get a hold of a good one. Andrews backed up at second on the grass. A.G. on at first. Two down. A.G. leads. Osinski to the waist. Here comes the pitch. There goes the runner. A swing and a miss. Strike three. He struck him out. So in the inning, no runs, one hit, no errors, and one man left. And so at the end of eight and a half innings of play, the score in the ball game: the White Sox four, the Red Sox one. You know, most families can manage their regular monthly expenses just fine. But every once in a while, an emergency of some kind can pop up. Anytime this happens to you because of unexpected bills of any kind. 
could be a worn-out transmission on the family car. Automobile payments, they can be pretty large, and they come around often. Well, you can always get a loan from friendly Bob Adams at General Finance. Bob and his fellow loan specialists at General Finance will be happy any time to tide you over with a loan. You can make a loan as small as $25 or $50 or as high as $1,000 or $5,000. So the next time you have a cash crisis of any kind at your home, remember you can depend on friendly Bob Adams and the General Finance Loan Company. You can call now for immediate service at Andover 32020. In the last of the ninth inning of play, it's going to be Kenny Harrelson, Rico Petroselli, and then Mike Ryan in that order. Into the lineup at second is Wayne Causey. Buford goes over to third. Jerry Buchak just belted his 10th home run of the year for the Mets in the second. Nobody on. At the end of one and a half, the score, the Mets won and the Cubs nothing. Right-hander Joe Harlan doing the pitching for the White Sox. Harlan thus far this year has had eight complete games trying to get his 15th win of the year. All right, Kenny Harrelson comes up. Kenny is one for three. A double off the wall in center field. Bounced out, scoring a run in the fourth when he grounded out driving in Smith and fly the center. He is one for three. Here comes the pitch. A swing and a foul off the right side. Owen won the count on the hawk. Kenny Harrelson. And now the fans start that rhythmic applause to try to get something going here. The last chance for Boston. Into the windup goes Horland. Here's the pitch. And he checks the swing and takes the curveball on the outside corner right above the knees. Harrelson asking the umpire about the call. One of the really fine all-round athletes right here, Kenny Harrelson. Great golfer, good basketball player. Don McMahon and Bob Locker both loosening up in the bullpen just in case. The pitch, and it's low, and Martin started to fire to third, thinking he might have caught the corner. So Kenny Harrelson, Rico Petroselli, and Mike Ryan in that order. Orland has the sign. Goes into the windup. Here's the pitch. 
and he's caught him looking at a fastball. That's four strikeouts by Horland and every one. A call, third strike. Kenny Harrelson so perturbed with the call that he just lays his bat right down at home plate and Howler went over to say something to him. The Hawk wasn't happy at all with that call by the plate umpire. Well, it's the ninth inning of the Hawk would be on his way to the clubhouse. He turned around in the dugout and gave a little blast at Howler. A curveball swung on and fouled down. Petroselli, the batter, 0 for 2, took a call, third strike, walked, and popped up to the second baseman. Wayne Causey now playing second, Buford at third, Hanson at short, and Tommy McCraw at first. Marion Wright, A.G. in center, and Walt Williams happily standing out and left. Here's the pitch, a fastball called strike two. Joe Harlan mixing him up real well here this afternoon. When you can have four strikeouts and all of them be a called third strike, you know that you're mixing them up real good, keeping them off balance. A high fly to right. Barry, waiting for it now, has got it. Two down. The batter coming in now is Mike Ryan, the catcher. So Ryan coming in here. Two down, last of the nine. Joe Harlan delivers. High ball one. A one and oh count. On deck is Dalton Jones, just in case. Fans making their way for the exit here at Fenway Park. Time is called as a gust of wind comes up again. Right-hander Joe Horland into the windup. The 1-0 delivery. A bouncing ball left side. Buford charges, has it, throws. White Sox the winner. Three up and three down. So the White Sox are a big winner here in this big game for the Sox at Fenway Park in Boston. And that's the end of the game. The final score, the Chicago White Sox 4 and the Red Sox 1. We'll return with a recap of today's game in just a minute. You know, most families can manage their regular monthly expenses just fine. But every once in a while, well, an emergency can throw a monkey wrench into your plans. Now, if this happens to you because of unexpected medical bills or that worn-out transmission on the family car, say don't panic. Get a loan from Friendly Bob Adams of the General Finance Loan Company. Call Friendly Bob Adams today at Andover 3-2020. Bob and his fellow loan-by-phone specialist at General Finance will be happy to tide you over with a loan as small as twenty-five or as big as $5,000. Just pick up the money you need later at your nearby General Finance Loan Office. Check your yellow pages for the office nearest you. Fifty offices conveniently located in and around Chicago. So the next time you've got a cash crisis, you call friendly Bob Adams at Andover 32020. That way you'll stay calm and cool long after you've collected. Well, the White Sox a winner in a, a must-ball game here this afternoon. And, Bob, we've said that a couple of times this year, but it could never be truer than today with this 4-1 to victory. 
Yes, they won it, a big one here at Boston, and now they lead Boston in the series two games to one and have a chance tomorrow behind Tommy John to make it three out of four, which would really be quite an accomplishment here against the red-hot Red Sox. Now the Minnesota Twins have moved into first place, and the White Sox have moved into third place ahead of Detroit, and the Sox are just two games out instead of two and a half, and there are two games behind Minnesota. And a win tomorrow, well, we've got a lot of big, big ball games coming up on the homestand, and remember, the box office at White Sox Park will be open tomorrow, and it'll also be open on Monday on Labor Day. Sox had four runs, 11 hits, one error. Boston had one run on six hits, one error. Sox had nine men left on, and Boston had seven. Harlan, the winner, his record is 15 and six. Lomborg, the loser, his record is 18 and seven. White Sox scored three in the first. They were never headed. They scored one in the sixth. Boston got their one run in the fourth. So that's it. Good news today. The White Sox here this afternoon. Harlan pitched a splendid game, a very strong game. I think he was stronger in the last three innings than he was in the first three, and that's always a very, very good sign. So let's hope they can win it tomorrow and really wrap up this series as we head for Yankee Stadium and a big doubleheader, by the way, on Monday. That is the ninth complete game for Harlan. This program has been authorized under broadcasting rights granted by the White Sox solely for the entertainment of our audience, and any rebroadcast the use of this play-by-play -play description without the express consent of the White Sox is prohibited, and we were happy indeed that our broadcast here from Boston was carried on the Armed Forces Radio Service to our men and women around the world. This is Bob Elson with Red Rush at Boston. Dan McCabe, our engineer. Bill Rayner has been taking care of the scores for us. And Frank DeRosa has been in charge of production. And all the boys have done a good job, and especially the White Sox. That's it from Boston. This is the Chicago White Sox Baseball Network. This is a portrait. It's a picture in words of individualism in Chicago broadcasting. We don't sound like the station that plays sweet music all day long. We don't sound like the station that talks constantly. We don't sound like those stations that scream and shout and never take a breath. We don't even sound like the station that plays country western music 24 hours a day. Why should we? We sound like us. WMAQ Radio. And that sound includes the talented lineup of Henry Cook, Pat Sheridan, Floyd Brown, Mark Edwards, John Conrad, Norman Ross, Jack Eigen, and Jim Hill. And the sound of WMAQ and NBC News. We don't imitate. We sound like us. WMAQ Radio. This is WMAQ NBC in Chicago.